Welcome to This Week in Addiction Medicine, special edition. I'm your host, Bob Davis. In today's episode, we delve into a thought-provoking study entitled Transitioning Off Methadone, a qualitative study exploring why patients discontinue methadone treatment for opioid use disorder. Joining us today, we have Dr. Ashish Tekrar and Jarrett Pytel, who will share their insights and reflections on the study's implications for addiction treatment policy. We'll explore the impacts of these findings on patient care and potential strategies to improve retention rates and how we can support individuals in their journey to recovery. Links to the study and other resources are provided in the show notes. Welcome, Drs. Takrar and Pytel. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us today. Appreciate the time. So what led you to explore why patients discontinue methadone treatment? As most listeners to this podcast probably know, medications for OUD are some of the most intervention, most effective interventions we have in basically all of medicine. But they really only are effective if patients stay in treatment. Right now, guidelines suggest that patients should stay in treatment with medications for at least 12 months, ideally longer. However, most patients will actually stop within six months. And of all the medications for opioid use disorder, methadone actually has the best retention in care, but even retention on methadone is suboptimal. About 50% of patients stop within the first six months. And this is true internationally, not just in the US where methadone has that unique treatment system compared to other medications. So all of this led us to this question of really trying to understand if these medications are so effective, why are patients stopping early? Yep. I mean, I'll just also add that, you know, you know, the changing nature of the drug supply, um, you know, has led to a profound amount of um, overdose and overdose death. And it was time to kind of re-examine from a patient perspective about what we could be doing better to, to meet patients where they are. So what are the question domains you used in staff interviews and focus groups? We started by asking why patients want to stop methadone. So for patients, we tried to ground this in their actual experiences. 60% of the patients we interviewed had been on methadone before and had previously stopped. So we asked them what the reasons had been for stopping when they stopped before. For the other 40% of patients, we asked them about their current feelings. Some of them were interested in stopping right now. We wanted to understand why. And then a few others, we asked them to think about why they might want to stop in the future. The second domain we explored was, what is the ideal length of treatment for these patients? As clinicians, I think we tend to think of patients who stop methadone early as treatment failures or non-responders, but we wanted to see if patients really felt the same way. From our experience working in OTPs, I know Jarrett and I both had this experience where we would see patients stop methadone early, but they themselves would think of it as a success. So that's what informed its second domain, understanding what the ideal length of treatment was. And the third domain we explored were what are changes that could improve retention? We didn't want to just focus on what the challenges were. We also wanted to understand if patients could make changes to either methadone or the treatment system, what would those changes be? to help them stay in treatment longer. What are some of the reasons why patients may stop methadone for treatment of OUD? We ultimately interviewed 
staff at opioid treatment programs and patients to understand this question. What we found is that the reasons generally fell into two buckets. The first bucket was what we called internal reasons. For these patients, they wanted to stop because of their personal relationship with methadone itself. This is how they conceptualized of methadone as treatment, what they thought methadone might do to their body long-term, or about how methadone itself made them feel. We call these the internal reasons because they had to do with the personal experience with medication itself. A different group of patients wanted to stop because of what it felt like to engage with the outside world as a patient in methadone treatment. And we call those the external reasons. Can you describe the difference between internal and external reasons for stopping methadone? Sure. Jared, you want to, um, you want to take this one? Yeah. I mean, I, the, the internal reasons had to do with the patient's like, own experience with treatment what they thought about it, whereas external had to do with outside factors, um, you know, related to the medication itself and the structures of care that, um, you know, in the, that are unique to the United States. Um, so Shisha, why don't you kind of jump into some of the specifics on internal? Yeah, absolutely. And then Jared, I might let you take the external reasons. The first internal reason that we uncovered was that for some patients, methadone was just a short-term bridge to opioid-free recovery. These are patients who never intended to stay on methadone long-term, and for these patients, discontinuing methadone was actually a sign of success. As one patient said, quote, if you could just get off methadone as quickly as you could get on it, 90 days would be good, end quote. Another quote from a patient was that, quote, that's what methadone is, a means to an end, but the end should not last forever. The end is getting off methadone, end quote. So as you can hear, for these group of patients, the first internal reason really had to do with how they thought about methadone treatment, and they just had a different conceptualization of it than we as clinicians have, which is that methadone is long-term treatment. The second internal reason had to do with concerns about what methadone would do to the body long-term. We heard many patients describe fears that methadone would damage the body by making bones brittle or by leading to dental damage and tooth decay. For these patients, the concern was that if you stay on methadone a long time, it would ultimately lead to more damage to the body, so they wanted to get off of it quicker. One quote from patient was that, quote, I don't want to be on methadone because I see how it do people's bodies and how it destroys your bones and stuff. And I don't want to get to the point where I can't walk around or I'm leaning when I walk, bending over. They say it destroys your teeth too, end quote. The third internal reason that we heard from patients was that methadone increases craving for cocaine. This is not an entirely new finding. Other studies have reported this, but um, to my knowledge, this is the first study to actually show that this was a driving factor for why patients might want to stop methadone early. So what one patient said is, quote, I'm scared to be on methadone a long time because it gives me a stronger urge to want to smoke cocaine. This concern was also shared by OTP staff as well. 
So this was the first bucket of internal reasons why patients wanted to stop methadone. They either thought of it as a short-term bridge to opioid-free recovery. They were concerned that it would damage the body long-term, specifically a fear of damage to the bones and teeth. Or the third reason was that it increased craving for cocaine. And then I'll go ahead and follow up with the external reasons. I mean, these are the things that kind of have to do with the treatment structure itself. So the first thing we kind of under, uh, you know, discovered was, you know, how daily dosing at opioid treatment programs is burdensome and the burden that it places on their lives. You know, we know that daily dispensing can create a lot of challenges for patients. Uh, one patient, um, his name was, uh, you know, he was in his 30s. He talked about discontinuing methadone previously uh, because he said he had to choose between his job and methadone. He said, I was traveling for the job, which made me miss multiple days at the OTP. So I would have to reinstate over and over, and I would have to do that every week. So it just didn't work out. The next um, was that, you know, the OTP inaccessibility, you know, risked you know, triggering a relapse. You know, that is that, um, you know, this is a little bit separate from the burden of care, but the idea that with they couldn't get access to their OTP, it would cause them to go back to miss a dose, experience withdrawal, and go back uh, to using drugs. So one, and this is a really practical issue, one participant said there could be a bad snowstorm or something and I can't get to methadone. Then I'm going to start getting sick, and then if I can, if I can get heroin, which is realistic, rather than staying sick, I'm going to get that. And then the final um, theme that we uh, uncovered here was how friends and family and peers stigmatized methadone, and this, you know, might, well, isn't probably a, a news thing for many participants or for many of your listeners, I should say, but um, it's the experience of how patients. Um, the experiences patients have when they're interacting with people um, uh, in the community and um, how they feel pushed to, uh, you know, get quote unquote clean or off of methadone because people devalue that treatment and um, kind of hold highly stigmatizing views towards it. All right, let's talk about some outcomes. What difference in outcomes did you observe for patients with internal reasons for stopping methadone versus the patients with external reasons? We use these two categories of reasons to help us understand how patients thought about the ideal length of treatment. And what we saw was that patients who had these internal reasons tended to want to only stay on methadone as short as possible. They came into treatment never intending to continue it long term. So, for a lot of these patients, stopping methadone was actually a sign of success. And we then asked these patients who tended to have internal reasons what could be done to help improve retention. The first category of patients for whom methadone was just a short term bridge to opioid free recovery, some of them said actually nothing could help them improve, could help improve retention. They were set in how they thought about methadone, and they actually were frustrated that their clinics kept trying to increase their dose or continue them in care. For the group of patients who were most concerned about the side effects, notably the effects on bone health and dental health, 
Some of these patients ask for more information about the side effects. We actually heard a story from one gentleman. Um, he was in his 50s. Um, and he said, you know, actually, I used to be concerned that methadone would hurt my body. But now that I experienced it, and now that doctors actually explained to me, he said, oh, now I know it's all a myth. It's just hearsay. And everything that the doctor said made sense. So we heard real desire for more education and counseling about the effects of methadone on the health of bones and on dental health. And then the third question, you know, the third group of patients with those internal reasons who wanted to stop methadone because of cocaine craving, they asked for treatment for that cocaine craving. Um, you know, one patient said, if there's just a pill that could get rid of that cocaine craving, then that's what I would need to stay on methadone. Jared, do you want to comment on some of the um, on some of the uh, factors that patients identify that help could help promote retention for the external orientation? Sure, and I think the key thing to think about for the um, um, ex for, for those for those patients who kind of uh, mostly have the external, you know, um, reasons for wanting to discontinue methadone. For methadone, for them is something that they tolerate. Um, and they'll tolerate it as long as it takes, right? That the downsides of um, of the methadone and the structures uh, around it and the stigma that they experience kind of outweigh the benefits. And so, um, you know, I think this, you know, is a little bit easier to address, right? I mean, we think about some of the changes that have happened uh, because of um, the, the COVID-19 pandemic and around take-home doses and loosening of restrictions, including up to 14 days of take-homes, you know, for people early in treatment, you know, can um, improve and eliminate some of those burdens to care. I think it does discuss a broader need to understand how we deliver methadone. You know, the one of the themes around stigma and that they they experience from patient from their families, friends, and peers, um, you know, was prominent and and related to the structure. You know, when a when these patients are receiving methadone uh, methadone treatment, and they are seen walking into an opioid treatment program, they lose all privacy. Right, there's only one reason that they would be seen walking into these clinics. And so it uh, it brought up reasons about why or about where we should be delivering this care, including through pharmacies and primary care practices. So what are some of the limitations of the study and what are some of the areas for future research? We spoke to a total of 10 staff via two focus groups and 20 individual patients who are enrolled in methadone. So the themes we uncovered might not generalize to other treatment settings or other patients. All of these staff and patients were um, currently in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, it was a fairly diverse um, group of patients in terms of uh, racial background, but the limit with any kind of research of this nature is that it might not generalize. And that's also not the purpose of this type of research, right? Um, the goal for this was to understand the why question and to understand how patients are making these decisions about stopping treatment. Another limitation is that we only just talked to patients who are in treatment actively and who are in treatment for less than 12 months. 
So we know that patients who are in treatment longer might have different reasons for discontinuing. So this findings here might not apply to that group of patients who have been in treatment for longer than a year. And this, these findings might also not apply to patients who are outside of treatment at the moment, right? So these are patients who have already shown themselves to be interested in methadone and who are um, capable of, you know, enrolling in methadone given all of the restrictions and limitations to access. Um, so I know there are many other studies that have looked at patients who feel like they are not able to actually start treatment. So these reasons might not apply to that group. It's really focused on the patients actively in treatment and who have been in treatment for less than 12 months. In terms of areas for future research, I think this study outlines quite a few. One is that we really need to understand more what the effects of methadone are on bone health and dental health for these patients. Existing studies do not point to methadone being worse for bone or dental health than any other opioids. However, very little research has actually looked into this association. So for the time being, I would counsel patients that this connection between methadone and damage to bones and health is not very well established. And so especially within this first year of treatment, it's not a side effect that I would advise them to be concerned about. That said, I think we also do need to have better research to inform whether or when we start screening for osteoporosis in patients on long-term treatment or what optimal dental care looks like for patients who are on treatment for OUD. And I'll add two things there. So, and one is that targeted interventions are needed to increase retention. I think um, the studies show that there's a diverse array of reasons of why patients um, discontinue methadone and therefore targeted interventions are needed and in a single intervention is not gonna be able to meet everyone. So we have an opportunity to individualize treatment. I think the other, uh, what I think is a really important one is, what is the main goal of treatment? Um, I think as a system and as physicians, we think about medications and medication adherence as being the um, most important outcome, but patients are concerned about recovery. And so there's a little bit of a disconnect between what we as the healthcare system focus on, that is medications and retention on medications, but what patients want which is recovery. And of course, medications are very important and are a tool and are a process outcome. But the end result that I think we should be focusing more on in our and for outcomes and in our clinical uh, for outcomes for research and in our outcomes in our clinical practice is recovery and what it takes to get a patient there, whether that's with medications long term or for short durations. How should practitioners translate the conclusions of the study into their clinical practice? I think it's really important for all addiction medicine clinicians to really understand what patient goals are when engaging in care. I think we 
tend to assume you know a certain perspective uh, from patients um, when we're rushed for time. I think it happens to all of us as clinicians, and there's a lot of pressure on our times often. But as much as we can take the time to understand what the goal of treatment is for the patients and what their priorities are, because I think the study shows that there's a real heterogeneity in patient concerns and goals around engaging in medications for opioid use disorder. So to make that a little bit more concrete and tangible, I think asking patients about whether their goal is sobriety, harm reduction, I think asking patients about how long they want to stay in treatment, and then going one step further to understand what are the reasons why patients have that goal for staying in medication treatment. Um, and seeing if we can address some of those, either with education, counseling, um, or whether um, their goals you know, can be met through other, um, other human modalities as well. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I mean, I think the, what you're describing, I would just call you know, patient-centered opioid use disorder treatment, which in the confines of how methadone is regulated is difficult but doable. It just requires a little bit more time and effort on behalf of clinicians. That includes physicians and counselors sit down and discuss, you know, the patient's perspective and taking a patient-centered approach to care rather than what our, what our, uh, our faculty at our, our fellowship called a program-centered approach to care. That is, you know, meeting patients where they are and trying to address the issues that are important to them. And if that means getting off medications as soon as possible, that is a reasonable goal to work towards. So, um, yeah, it's a, the the that's I think kind of how I would summarize. You know, the, the what what a big takeaway for for me was for this from this project and listening to the these patients' experiences. I'll, I totally agree with what Jarrett said, and I'll just add it was such a privilege to get to sit with patients mm-hmm. for these hour long interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I think it's easy to forget just how thoughtful and sophisticated our patients' relationship with um, these medications really are. Um, and they come in with sometimes very different conceptualization of addiction of medications for OUD. And I think as much as we can honor that and work with that, um, I think that's how we can try to move towards more patient-centered care for um, everyone with OUD. Drs. Tuckrar and Pytel, thank you so much for the study and joining us today on This Week in Addiction Medicine, and wish we wish you the best of luck in your future practices and research. Thank you so much for inviting us to this podcast. It was a pleasure. Appreciate you. Thanks, Bob. Well, that concludes This Week in Addiction Medicine Special Edition. Please be sure to check out the show notes and visit us online at asam.org. And with that, my name is Bob Davis, signing off and saying thank you for treating addiction and saving lives.